Well, good morning. The word uncertain has been thrown around a bit this morning, and I think it's appropriate given what we walked into on partial power. But there is a miracle worker in the building. Thank you, Chris, for all of your hard work in pulling this together and making it so that I don't have to holler from this pulpit. Beloved, our lesson from today comes from the prophet Isaiah, the 63rd chapter, verses 7 through 8. It reads like this. I will recount the gracious deeds of the Lord, the praiseworthy acts of the Lord, because of all that the Lord has done for us and the great favor to the house of Israel that he has shown them according to his mercy, according to the abundance of his steadfast love. For he said, surely they are my people, children who will not act deceitfully. And he became their savior. In all their distress, it was no messenger or angel, but his presence that saved them. In his love and pity, it was he who redeemed them and lifted them up and carried them all the days of old. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Won't you pray with me? Come thou fount of every blessing. Tune my heart to sing thy praise. Streams of mercy, never ceasing. Lord, you call for songs of loudest praise. So teach me some melodious sonnet sung by flaming tongues above. Lord, here's your mount. I'm fixed upon it. Mount of thy redeeming love. And so God of grace and God of glory, speak now a word to your children. A word that will comfort and correct a word that will challenge us and send us out to do your will and to follow you. It's in Jesus' name that we do pray. Amen. Just like that, just like that, we've crossed over into a new year. Just like that, 365 days that structured so much of our lives belong to a year now gone by. A new year has dawned, and it's unfolding even now, minute by minute. But here's the catch. Our lives, as folks whose lives has been claimed as God's own, our lives are not primarily governed by the new year as set by the civil calendar. Now, now of course, we partied last night. There are a few empty seats for the folks who just couldn't make it out of bed this morning. We, we partied last night. There were Happy New Year texts sent out at 12.01 a.m. on the dot. A ball dropped in Times Square and fireworks went off on Bill Street. There were, in the tradition I was raised, watch night services to pray in the new year, born of the tradition amongst my ancestors who, in the midst of the Civil War, watched by night for the dawn of freedom. A new year has dawned. 
and it's unfolding even now, minute by minute. But we who follow after Christ are caught in a bit of a dilemma. Our lives, these lives that are lived after Christ are ordered by a different calendar, the liturgical calendar, and and then the civil one. Stick with me. promise I'm going somewhere. Our lives are ordered by the liturgical calendar. And if that's still true, and I feel like it is still true, because Courtney and I were trying to figure out what color stole to wear before we came down. Our new year as those who belong to the church of the Lord Jesus Christ was not today, but about five weeks ago as we gathered to celebrate the first Sunday of Advent. Our new year began just over a month ago with the start of the first season of the liturgical year, Advent, and now we move into this season of Christmastide, these 12 days of Christmas that will end in a few days as Epiphany, the next season in the year of our faith draws near, and before long, we'll have observed Transfiguration and Ash Wednesday, and before you know it, we'll be in the throes of the Lenten season, and we'll each be rushing from Kroger to Walgreens, hoping to find enough Easter chocolate to pack the baskets. A new year has dawned, and it's unfolding even now, minute by minute, and whether we adhere with fierce loyalty to the liturgical calendar or just make our way day by day, appointment by appointment, following the civil one, what we know to be true is that after 365 days, no matter how you count it or order it or holidays that you use to punctuate it, so much has unfolded. So much has occurred. We've experienced so much, prayed for so much, rejoiced for so much, cried over so many things, grieved so many losses, borne so many disappointments. So much has occurred in this year of our lives. And it can almost, almost seem foolish to celebrate the dawn of a new year when so much remains unresolved. And so much lies ahead in this new year, unknown, uncertain, and unrealized. And yet, just like that, a new year is here, unfolding minute by minute, asking us to respond to what lies ahead, already bringing with it questions that compel us to answer, what does this year mean for my faith? and my faithfulness? What does it mean for my doubts and my questions? What does it mean for my hopes and my worries and my insecurities? In what state does this year find me? Or or perhaps, how do I encounter this year? Do I have enough faith for what it will call me to do? How it will call me to live, to love, to serve, and and to give. The New Year's here already demanding of us a response. But thankfully, there's the prophet Isaiah, 
who I believe can be helpful this morning as we begin figuring out what our response shall be. It's Isaiah, or, or more accurately, the, the third person who picked up where Isaiah left off, who slows down his prophetic proclamations to offer a message of faith and hope to a people in the midst of a transition, people trying to figure out what comes next. Indeed, this writer, this writer enrolled at what we might call the Isaiah School of Prophetic Preaching. This writer takes a look around and sees that these folks who have recently returned from exile only to be faced with the sobering reality that life on this side of things isn't as great as they had hoped for and expected only to be faced with an existential hell where economic oppression and political corruption and communal uncertainty have conspired to deaden their sense of what's possible and their view of what God is up to. This writer decides that these folks need to be reminded of who is with them in the midst of the transition that they are living through. And so this writer at the Isaiah School of Prophetic Preaching puts pen to paper and begins to brag on God. Yeah, he begins to brag about God. I will recount the gracious deeds of the Lord, the praiseworthy acts of the Lord. This writer begins to brag, bragging about the works of the Lord and the power of God and the strength of God and the mind of God, bragging about this God who has been faithful. This God who's called Israel their own. This God who has drawn near in the midst of their suffering and affliction and uncertainty. And though we, we who have gathered in this place on the first Sunday of 2023, we may not be recently returned from exile. Though we may be far removed from the context in which this word first comes forth, though we may not know what it means to endure this particular kind of suffering, what we can admit is that we are in a transition. We're in a transition and it, it doesn't take a new year for that to be true. Our lives are always in the midst of some sort of transition. Our lives are always balancing themselves between what is and what will be. And, and so too our faith is always wrestling with how things are now while pointing toward that eschatological hope bound up in Jesus Christ of what can be, of what God promises us will be. That sure and certain hope that we each got a front row seat to seeing just a week ago on Christmas Eve, that hope which never fails to be born into this world that is reeling in darkness and brokenness. And so, beloved, our lives, always at a pivot point, always at a transition, must wrestle with that question that Howard Thurman raises for us. How do we pass through this coming year with a faithful heart. This new year, 
with 12 months that promised to bring with it losses and gains, hopes and worries, promises and disappointments, loves and betrayals, this year that promises to test us and stretch us, even as God promises to be the one molding and shaping us, we must figure out for ourselves how will we pass through the coming year with a faithful heart. And it's these words recorded in the book of Isaiah that point us toward a few possible practices that might help us out as we figure out our response, as we try our hardest to be faithful. They're simply this, a practice of fearless remembering of what God has already done, a practice of fully reorienting reorienting ourselves to a love of God and one another in a practice of faithfully responding to whatever lies ahead, fearlessly remembering, fully reorienting, faithfully responding. Beloved, the only way that I believe we might pass through this coming year that is even now unfolding minute by minute is by first engaging in a practice of fearless remembering. When the, prophet, when the prophet begins their word of faith and hope to the people, they begin not, they don't begin with the prevailing wisdom, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understandings. They, they don't begin with the admonition to stand still and see the salvation that the Lord will accomplish for you this day, no, beloved, the prophet begins by telling the story. The prophet begins by recounting the ways that the Lord had made, the doors that the Lord had opened, the sicknesses that the Lord made well, the brokenness that the Lord pieced back together. The prophet begins by taking a moment to remember, to remember what God had done in the past. Because, beloved, if we are to face what lies ahead unknown, our job, contrary to popular belief, is not to figure it all out. Our job is to call to mind all the ways God worked it out for us and with us in the days gone by. Beloved, what is your testimony? What's your testimony for the year gone by? If you begin even now to remember what God has done for you, what story would you tell? Perhaps you'd tell of how God kept your mind in the midst of an event that threatened to shatter your mental health. Maybe you'd tell of how God worked within your financial life to bring it to a point of stability that you could not have imagined 12 months ago. Perhaps you'd tell of how God gave you the strength to love a loved one who had hurt you or parent a child who had broken your heart. Perhaps you'd tell of how God brought you back, back from the grips of addiction, back from a bed of sickness and affliction, back to faith even after you thought that your faith was gone. Beloved, if you began to remember for a moment, what story would you tell? For we are called to remember and to remember fearlessly. Not just 
the pretty pieces and well-curated parts of our lives, but the messy, muddy, mundane, and messed up parts that remind us that we are in desperate need of the God who comes to be with us. After all, that is what we celebrate in this Christmastide season of the liturgical year, that our God is indeed Emmanuel, God with us. That God desires to participate and get proximate in our lives, even our suffering, and accompany us along the way. It's, it's what we proclaim alongside Isaiah in this text, that it was no messenger or angel, but God's presence that saved. So we remember fearlessly because in accurately recounting the story of our lives, we remember to give credit where credit is due. And perhaps that is the first step in this journey through the new year that we begin with the full knowledge of who makes it all possible. Fearless remembering and also fully reorienting. You know, what I appreciate about this text is that it endeavors to preserve a conversation between God and humanity. The prophet begins by saying, allow me to brag on God for a little while. Allow me to remind you of what our God has done in the past. But then God enters the chat. And when God begins to speak, God offers their own reminder that God from the very beginning has called Israel their own. Surely they are my people, children who will not deal deceitfully. God's word to these folks who are living through an existential hell, unsure of what's coming uh, next, trying to figure out why what things on this side aren't as good as they had hoped. God's word to them is you are mine. You are mine. But God continues speaking and reminds them, not only are you mine, but I became your savior. I redeemed you. I lifted you up and I carried you. I saved you, redeemed you, lifted you up and carried you all the days of old. You are mine. What a word to these folks who are wrestling with what lies ahead. You are mine. And not only am I with you, but I saved you, redeemed you, lifted you up, and carried you all the days of 2022 and 2021 and 2020 and all the years and decades that have passed before your very eyes. What if, what if we took our cue from God, our God who has taken our lives and placed them at the center of their life, so much so that God would put on human flesh and come to be with us as Christ. What if we took our cue from God and began to reorient ourselves away from faith in things that will never prove to be as faithful as God is to us? In the midst of their laments, God sends a word to Israel to remind them to fully reorient them to the fact that God has never failed to be faithful. 
God is not slacked in their promise to save, redeem, lift up, and carry. What if we reorient ourselves to this reality? That though we do not know what lies ahead in this coming year, the way that we can pass through it faithfully is by never losing sight of God's promise that God will be present. Perhaps that's why that liturgical year of ours ought to have preeminence, because it reorients our relationship to time. And in reorienting our relationship to time, it reminds us of the one to whom time truly belongs. The one who separated day and night, who set the earth on its axis and placed the stars in the sky. The one who is a restorer of years. The ones who says that we are their own. Beloved, don't you ever, don't you ever trick yourself into thinking that God doesn't have faith in you. For all the things we are told to have faith in, what if, what if we had as much faith in God as the text tells us that God has in us? Surely they are my children. Children who will not deal deceitfully. God knows how fully how well we can get it wrong. And yet the word sent to Idlewild this morning by way of the prophet Isaiah is to know that we are called God's people. People who will not deal falsely or faithlessly, but who will take the fact that they are God's people seriously, no matter what this year may hold. For it is already here, unfolding minute by minute, and our job is to respond to all that it will ask of us. So much of our response will be grounded in being able to fearlessly remember what God has already done in our lives. So much of that response will require us to fully reorient ourselves to the love of God in our lives and for this world. But finally, beloved, and indeed it is finally, the response required of us must be faithful. It will require, as David so often reminds us from this pulpit, to take the next faithful step. Now, if I haven't lost you yet, and I'm praying I haven't, if you're still paying attention, you'll, you'll notice that there's no more text left to consider. We've lifted up each verse of Scripture. There is nothing left to reflect upon. The road has run out, if you will, and yet there is more to be said. And that, beloved, is faith. That's the call to respond faithfully. That it, it, it doesn't just end when Scripture ends. Our response continues even when we don't have a word left to say. That's why it's not just a response. It's a faithful response. A response that is fully reliant and contingent on God's grace, power, and love. It's a response that recognizes, though I cannot see where the road may lead, the next Faithful step is enough. A response that does not prioritize being comfortable at the expense of where God 
is calling you, and indeed God is calling. A response that trusts that if it's God that's doing the calling, then God is sure to carry you and sustain you and provide for you and keep you. It's a response that compels us to see the reality of our lives and hold it in tension with the promise of God's future and to work for that day when God's future becomes our daily reality on earth as it is in heaven. How will you respond faithfully to what this year brings your way? How will you respond faithfully to the needs that were here last year and didn't change just because we changed the number at the end of the calendar year? Because, beloved, there is much, much in this world, much in this city in need of our most faithful response, children in need of homes and clothes and stability and love, especially now that all that holiday cheer has begun to dry up. Elders in need of access to quality care and someone who will pay attention. Folks experiencing poverty in need of good news and economic opportunity. Lives held in 201 Poplar in need of someone to have faith that they can be redeemed. Unhoused neighbors in need of a hot meal and a prayer and a better civic infrastructure that does not make it so hard to find affordable quality housing. How will you, how will we respond? faithfully to the needs that are waiting for us this year. The good news, and as a preacher, I'm bound to bring some good news, is that we don't have to figure it out alone. And even more, we know where to begin. Today, we begin at this table. This table where we commune with God and with one another, another, the table where Christ shares with us the life and love that we are in desperate need for, this table where we are fed and nurtured and sent out into the world to respond faithfully to whatever lies ahead. Y'all, promise me you won't make another fleeting resolution this year. But make these promises core to how you live out your faith. Remember fearlessly all that God has done, including the parts you're still learning to love. Reorient yourself fully to the love of God at work in your life and the life of each of us and respond faithfully to what lies ahead, knowing that the next faithful step is enough. Won't you pray with me? The new year is already here, unfolding minute by minute. The new year is already here, and yet so much of the past year remains. The angst and anxiety and anger, the uncertainty, the fear. God, my confusion will undoubtedly deepen My worries grow with each passing day and the angst that hangs so thickly around me 
threatens to find its way into me, into my heart, into my way of seeing, into the way I believe. And so I pray, oh God, that you would grant me the grace to pass through this coming year with a heart unencumbered by anger, unburdened by fear, unshaken by doubt. I pray grant that I may pass through the coming year with a faithful heart. For the new year is already here, unfolding minute by minute, and I sense it calling me to encounter what lies ahead unseen, to respond to the deepening of life all around me, to commune with those who surround me, to become fully human as I make the decision to share each day with another soul that I finally recognize as beloved. God, grant that I might pass through this coming year with a faithful heart, that hope may be my covenant, that my spirit may awaken to your presence in the face of each person I meet, that love may be the resounding refrain of my days, for the new year is already here, unfolding minute by minute. God, grant that I may pass through it with a faithful heart. Amen.